Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Uh... <laughs> Adam, Adam's frantically looking for his notes. No, 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 no. I've got, I've got my notes. My notes are well, all let good. Me get, let me get my top tens up. There we go. <gasps> top tens, plural. You got one for each. I did a Muse and a Manix one, yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the top tens. I really love the top tens. They're like my favourite bit of the podcast because I like lists. This is the yeah, best. Yeah, you just like being organised and having unless unless it's my own top ten, in which way. case, no, no, I don't want it. Well, the thing is, I, I like to write lists quite quickly because I think they should be instinctive. Well, um, that's what I we recently did our like midway through Muse episode. So we mm. we because we did it with Manix because we got to uh, the name of the the album that I can't remember that's uh, best of. Good God, that one, yeah, uh, forever. <laughs> Forever delayed. delayed. Because we got to that as like a midpoint. And so we used that as an opportunity to like do a top 10 so far. With Muse, we just decided to just do an episode halfway, basically, and did the top 10 mm. of the first four albums. And I did, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it really off, just like off the dome. I'm not going to think too much. I'm not going to get the track list up in front of me. I'm just going to go off like what, what I do. And I did them. And then two seconds before reading out my list, I made an adjustment because I reminded myself of a song. And then we did Adam's list after, and I remembered that I had completely forgotten about a song that I love and didn't even put it at all on the list. And actually now, when we do our final list, it'll probably be like number four, but it wasn't on the top ten at all the first half. <laughs> it's so good so, to start off with such minute detail of how you put together yeah, your, so your next, top ten list. Next because... time I'm really going to put in some thought. I'm not just going to just do it off the heart. Mm. Off the heart? Off the heart. Off the heart. Off the heart. Yeah, just straight the, off the heart. From the heart. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, and also hello and welcome to What Is Music, a music <laughs> podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. We are currently in season two, which is called 
Are You Amused? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of Muse. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're, of course, asking, are you amused? And just to be clear, we're asking if you're amused by the band Muse, not whether or not you're amused by us, the host of this season, Are You Amused? To which you are now listening I'm out of breath. <laughs> oh, Adam, Adam Scott Glasspool, joined as always, uh, interminably by Steve Murphy. <laughs> Hello, and Lucas Way, present. And also, yeah. there was a there was another strange voice <laughs> in that intro because we're joined this week, as you've probably guessed from the episode title, by Andrew Trendle. Hello, Andrew. Hey guys, how are we doing? Uh, I'm all right, and it's very nice of you. You're the first guest who's ever asked how we are. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that case, really weird, I've, I've got quite a few issues I want to talk to you about. If, if I'll just open up, actually, specifically that, but... Andrew as well. That's, yeah. that's bizarre. <laughs> how are you, Andrew? Yeah, good. Um, enjoying this strange limbo we're in quite for the moment. You know, um, mm. I kind of want. This, we're this halfway through the year and... after hopefully all the restrictions have been lifted but we're in that weird four-week extension at the moment yeah we're halfway through the year and there aren't really any kind of landmark moments to pinpoint what time of year it is or what's going yeah. on yeah yeah that's true <laughs> today's the solstice i don't know yeah, if i was literally helps. about to say today is the solstice that <laughs> oh is i like... wondered why i'm having the longest day yeah <laughs> that's something yeah. Good. it's the about solstice. to get a lot longer solstice <laughs> joke thanks very much yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I don't need to tell you any of this, but so that our listeners are aware, you are the news editor of the New Musical Express, the NME. Yeah, fun job. Um, There's a lot of news going on all the time. Yeah, there really is. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Like, I've been reading the NME since I was but a wee boy. Don't really know why I phrased it that way. Uh, What what, did you guys, Steve, Lucas... Andrew, before you were the news editor of it, you must have all interacted with the enemy in some way. It seems like a rite of passage when you're a teenager. Yeah, hundred percent. My my a bit more Kerrang. Oh, I know. Actually, right. oh. that track. Steve was definitely more Kerrang. <laughs> I was I was more Kerrang until a point, and then I then I stopped being Kerrang. Yeah, so I definitely, I I definitely... Kerrang was the one I bought when I was like first getting into music, 11, 12, 13. By the time I stopped reading Kerrang! and started reading The Enemy, I stopped having cutouts of it on my bedroom wall. Yeah, it was around the time I, th- is the I way realized to put that it. Limp Bizkit weren't good, is when I stopped listening. Whoa, no, 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 come on, come on. Hey, I'm not sure. I have a strange affection for Limp Bizkit, I think. I think it's the uh, hoodie I had Oh yeah, that uh, tipped it. Uh, I, 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 do, I do still love Kerrang! and will always love Kerrang! By the, just is, it still, is it still going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're just online now, which is the future. For everyone, of course it is. <laughs> who, would I, yeah. who would I now see on a shelf? Would I just see like Drowned in Sound and Q? Drowned uh, no, on a shelf Q. now. Never Drowned. Drowned in Sound was always on my. You'll probably just see Mojo and Uncut. It's all um, it, it's it's all the retrospective market, isn't it? Mojo's always got oh, yeah, it's always from the seventies on the front cover. The untold story of Abbey Road retold. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I've always been an enemy guy. I remember getting my first enemy on the way to an REM gig. There you go. It had the killers you... on the front cover, and oh, the glory uh, uh, garage rock days. 
Yeah, and it, it had a CD that had some people on it. I can't remember who. Didn't uh, you write for it? Sorry? Didn't you do some writing for the enemy or something? You did some music writing at some point. Uh, not for the enemy. Oh, I've mentioned thought... that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I probably would have right you? off the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, my journalistic career is, is you're right. It's vast and includes uh, two weeks unpaid work at Total Film. So... Oh, I feel like you did a lot pretty, more. pretty good. I have a confession to make um, about why you're on the episode, Andrew. Uh, which is, I thought you were the muse editor of the enemy. Oh right, I thought you were about to tell me this was an intervention. Very, but it was just a very, good, very good joke instead. Yeah, <laughs> but... really, really good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I sort of am. <laughs> well, I was going to say actually, I, I, uh, I typed in. Uh, Muse and Enemy, you know, to see what was written about them. And a lot of it's written by you. I think I've written a lot about... Oh, yeah, I think I've written in the primary Muse writer since I've been there. I think, obviously, Mark Beaumont will be the the Muse pro. As, as the news editor of The Enemy, music is obviously a huge part of your life. Andrew, I'm assuming it goes way back with you. You said you were reading Kerrang! at the age of uh, 11 or 12. But what is music? What is music? Um, music is the thing that fills the silence. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's I, that's a slightly dark. I didn't mean that. Sense that stops, dark. stops the, the dark thoughts coming <laughs> in. Voices. It keeps keeps the wolves at bay. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's the it's the only art form where you can get an immediate reaction out of it. everything else. You kind of need to consider for a second. But with music, you know how you feel straight away. Um, I think it's oh, the most universal of all art forms as well. Um, it's just the best thing there is in life. The best thing there is in life. Okay, <laughs> we need, that's going to be a quote. I think Adam, Adam, would you probably agree there? Uh, yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, it's I think it's a lot of good, isn't it? Music. Well, you see here, so I think some people either get into sport or get into music or try and half and half it. But I'm just, I'm all in for music. You know. No, not 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 a huge sport fan. Then not watching the Euros at the moment. I mean, I watch it. I like to, I, you know, I get in the vibe, you know. But it's it's just as I don't. It doesn't it doesn't make me feel anything. Um, unlike Eurovision, I fucking I would die for Eurovision. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. It's just it's just so shit. It's good. It's it's just yeah. over the top pomp. You know. Every time you hear that nil poire, does it like hurt a little bit more? Each time? Oh no, I I want us to lose. I like That's being the part of it, isn't it? It's part of the tradition. <laughs> Yeah, Over the, the Eurovision top. should go on as long as the Euros do, I believe. Adam's about to, yeah. Adam's about, Adam's about to draw a connection there between Eurovision songs Over and the, the Muse, top. aren't you? Over or each country top. should have to do a song and dance half-time to yeah. kind of like yeah, justify their needs for being there. I like it. <laughs> what I don't I just, understand about Eurovision Song Contest, and it's like, you know how in the Olympics you're not allowed to send the national team to then play in the Olympic football team, for example? Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. They you uh, maybe they changed that they used to not allow it. I think they've changed it with like basketball now. You don't get like oh, I'm going to throw some really dated references out there. You don't get your Michael Jordans and and that lot. You used to, but I think uh, nowadays yes, you, you have to have an amateur team. I think don't you? What? I'm pretty no. sure the Olympics require <laughs> the Olympics, you cannot be. Uh... <laughs> I know where he's going. He's going to say why don't we send someone really professional and good? Why doesn't? Because yeah. Why don't... don't we send someone good? Because they don't want to do it. Well, this is the thing. Even even when other countries send in their 
apart from Italy this year, who've smashed it and are charting all over the world and have got like three top 20 singles at the moment. And I've, Amazing. Uh, everyone, I think a lot of Muse fans will be Maniskin fans. And if you aren't, you bloody should be. Um, Interesting. What was my point? Yeah, but no, the, the, when they do send professionals, they never send their A game with them. It's like, so it's like allowing Michael Jordan to play in the Olympics, but breaking one of his legs before he goes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I reckon he's sending in. It's like we could send in Robbie Williams and smash it, but Robbie wouldn't. Robbie wouldn't write Angels for Eurovision. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it, true. it's funny you said Robbie because I was going to say Gary Barlow. I was going to say just send Gary Barlow. To I'm trying to figure out who's the more shameless. <laughs> Robbie Williams. I think Gary. Well, yeah, I think Robbie has less shame but has more of a laugh. I think Gary Barlow yeah. will do anything for money. Gary but... Barlow is more beloved though, isn't he? I think. Do you not think Muse would do Eurovision? I, think, I reckon they I would. Think, uh, yeah, I think. And, like, and I think they'd go down well, wouldn't they? Because they're just silly and like, they, well, they do, if they did that side of Muse, they well, did like that silly. Yeah, like Neutron Star Collision, but they'd have to change it to something like Love Telescope or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love you Telescope. Heard it here for five <laughs> that sounds, like, that yeah, sounds that, like a euphemism. What was that goddamn. <laughs> it's a Spinal Tap song, that one, isn't it? What was it? that dreadful Olympic song they did? Hey, oh, uh, don't call it dreadful. Come on, now. survival, <laughs> survival. I mean, that was pure yeah, Eurovision. Absolutely, yeah. we haven't. I mean, Star Starlight is the best Eurovision song that ever was. It okay. is a race, and we do have to win it. Are you two not wrong in and the Olympics. Yeah, we're yeah. recording. We're recording our episode <laughs> on that next week. So Adam, Steve, and myself have yet to. Oh, we're not allowed uh, to say anything. I've yet we? to yeah, say. I've yet to give our make our opinions known. As much as a drunk Steve at his house the other day was really desperately trying to m- tell me what he thought of it, <laughs> and I was like, "Shut up! We'll record it in a bit." And he was like, "Oh, but I want to talk about it." Yeah, I wanted to talk to my friend Andrew. He's like, "No, no you know, we're, we're, only, we're only friends on mic now." Yeah. <laughs> Who's he? Oh, oh. Uh, how did you get into Muse, Andrew? Obviously, the love of over the top pomp. Oh, uh, no, it was after, like, I remember I was your typical kind of, you know, when it's like when you're kind of 11, especially in the age of kind of, in, in the early noughties, but like 90s entering the noughties, mm-hmm. you, everyone had a decent broadband connection and everyone was listening to just about everything. Like if you looked at your, whatever the pre-iPod MP3 player was and you were downloading stuff off LimeWire or Audio Galaxy, yeah. your playlist would be a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All like kinds stuff, of stuff. Stuff mislabeled as well. Yeah. And then I kind of wandered into the whole Green Day, Linkin Park, Limp Biscuit, oversized hoodie area. Yeah. Looking through, <laughs> flicking from when um, when Q used to have a music channel that was good because it played like a, a fair bit of indie and then Kerrang. When Kerrang TV first started, they only, they only had like 10 music videos and it was like Ramstein. Yeah. Mute, Bliss by Muse and a Sum yeah. 41 video and whenever they weren't playing a Bliss or a Sum 41 video I'd flick down to Q and they'd, they'd have the newborn video and I remember the first <laughs> I was around my mate's house when I saw the newborn video and I was just like what the fuck is this um, and why are they so gold well that why are they so gold <laughs> but it was just it was a mixture like so the, the piano intro got me and I was just like oh, curious and then this is probably the most profound moment of any song that i had experienced as a in my formative years that gap between the piano bit and the riff that everywhere i was just like literally i could i could remember that moment of being 11 years old like what what's and then and now just fuck me this is not like anything i'd heard before and then it was just the ridiculous drama of the song the 
every few seconds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what the fuck is he talking about? Everything about that song. I was just at that moment. I was just like, Linkin Park and Green Day are terrible. What have I been doing? <laughs> this is <that's laughs> something else. And that's then the exact same experience I had. I think I discovered them with Newborn on Kerrang TV in 2001 when I was like great, 11 years old. Great year. And then I remember someone said, oh, you heard this song, Plug In Baby. And I was just like, no, is it the same band? And then someone played it to me. I was just like, oh, this is ridiculous too. That was a bit too kind of pop for me at the time. I wanted the sludginess of that, but then I grew, it grew on me. And then it was, a, it was just around the time Origin of Symmetry came out. And then I just... Um, got Origin of Symmetry, rinsed it dry. My mate's dad had Showbiz on CD. That sounded like a complete, it took me a while to genuinely believe that Showbiz was made by the same band. Yeah, uh, they're quite too um, uh, stylistically disparate albums. Yeah, Showbiz was a bit too flat for me at the time, but then obviously you, you grew to love it for its reasons. And then, um, yeah, I just became weirdly obsessed with music in the summer of 2001. Um, I mean, I mean, what one of the one of the things that got us talking that led to you coming on today was you telling us on Twitter, I think, that Origin of Symmetry is one of your favorite albums of all time. Some albums just never leave you. I mean, I'm sure I've maybe gone for maybe a few years at a time without listening to Origin of Symmetry, um, but it's just deeply embedded in your heart, like that, you know, relative you don't see very often friend you haven't spoken to in a while but origin symmetry i'll just i'll you know i'll go tooth and nail i'll ride for the fact that origin symmetry is one of the best albums of all time because it just is as well and then we can talk about the remix version which is next level interesting (laughs) oh okay interesting let's we're gonna save that for the end (laughs) (laughs) but yeah then muse was the first gig i saw as well doncaster dome 2001 supported by 100 reasons oh man that's yeah That was the most oh. 2001 lineup of anything. <laughs> that um, was the keyboard solo in silver live. That's my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was, I think it was, this was early 100 Reasons. I don't know if they'd oh, written so Sylvia. Yeah, this was point. like, but the thing is, I remember, so my mate crashed at my house after we watched music on Dome. Woke up the next day, put on MTV2, and the I'll Find You video came on. I was like, oh. Also a tune. I mean, Ideas Above Our Station, 10 out of 10 album. Well, so I good. say that now. I've not listened to it in about ten years, but <laughs> it's on I my. Remember... It's, it's on my like. <laughs> it's on my songs I listened to when I was thirteen playlist that I still listen to weekly, probably. Well, yeah. I think so. How is it songs you listen to when you're thirteen and not just songs you listen to all the time? Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, and that gig was again a very formative moment. And then yeah, that just I was kind of continued being. And then Muse kind of put me down the path of Radiohead, Jeff Buckley, and then I got into my indie and I got into my Mannix and I got into, you know, Block Party and the National and everything that everyone gets into when they're a, a sad indie boy, age 16, 17. And then that's Great kind of... Age when 30. I... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were kind of the road to that. And then I think I kept up with them. And then I remember... It was up until I think I went to yeah I went to the first Wembley Stadium gig where I can't remember the first night the second night I think it was the first night where they were supported by Biffy and Mike and Look a Romance. That's the second, um, night. second night. Uh, second so night, not yeah. the night me and Adam were at, unfortunately. But that was I remember being I, I had a great time, but something was kind of amiss to me that night. It, it didn't feel like I was watching Muse anymore. It kind of felt like I was watching a, a, a live stage show it felt like i was watching 
Cirque du Soleil with Muse in front of it. It's like you're watching the American Idiot stage show, not Green Day playing American Idiot. Oh yeah, and it was that was because my only my my previous Muse uh, experiences have been Muse at Don Castado, then I saw them at Nottingham Arena with Elbow on the Absolution tour, which was awesome. Yeah, that's um, gig I went to. Various couple of times at Leeds Festival, saw them at Nottingham Arena on the Black Holes tour, where they, without uh, completely unannounced, played Black Holes and Revelations in full from start to finish, which is the only time they've done that. Which they was... did that for us as well. They did in, uh, Wembley. Oh, so Wembley Arena, yeah, same tour. Oh, we, so they did, did it twice. Me and, <laughs> me and Adam got that same treat on that same awesome. tour. But yeah, just and then I was like really close to the front for that. And then when I was at Wembley, I kind of felt a bit of a disconnect, and I was like, oh. I thought I'd enjoy this more. And then when Uprising came out, I was like, oh, what have you done? <laughs> You're mirroring my journey, Andrew. There was, there was, uh, I've talked about it on, on the podcast that there was something of a, um, the feeling that, that Muse had reached their logical conclusion as soon as they played Wembley Stadium. Well, I, uh, I hmm. I'm not. I'm not convinced of that entirely because there's still times when they drag you back in. Like so, when Uprising came out, it's just oh, you, that, this is a stadium song written to be played in stadiums. The lyrics are pap. The song is paper thin. And then the resistance. I just didn't really get it. Um, well, I yeah. said that until, and maybe just because I was high on endorphins. But when they played Origin and Symmetry in full at Reading, obviously that was incredible. And then did like a kind of greatest hit set featuring songs from the resistance. Maybe it's because I was in a really good mood. I was like, oh, I get this now. Because in, in the in-between, I'd got into bands like Depeche Mode. And so I kind of enjoyed some of the more pompier synthy moments of that. But then I'm, like there are still moments of greatness. Like Madness is one of the best songs music I've ever done. Um, Drones I loved purely because it kind of took me back to being 13 and just wanting to lose my shit. Um, <laughs> What's good about simulation theory? Yeah, simulation theories. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a joke. That was a joke. I, I, I have a lot of time for simulation theory just because now I've kind of come to accept news for being pure entertainment. And that's what simulation theory does. That's kind of the conclusion we reached on our sort of midway episode, wasn't it, Adam? We kind of yes. talked and, about and music even as more so even more so on, on the resistance um episode. Um Kind kind of similar, Andrew. Like like I did not get the resistance when it came out, but now that I can kind of see all the stuff that they're pulling from, having mm. now listened to it and reached the age of thirty something, um, there uh, it, it, it's a it's a much more sort of like enjoyable uh, experience. So, are, are you are you still a fan of Muse? Then you still consider yourself to be. A, a big fan of Muse, or has there been? Yeah, any I mean, sort that's, of that's the thing. I, I think I've seen them. I've yeah, I've seen them on every single tour since for the last twenty years. So I think that means it. And if they're ever playing, I'll make an effort to go see them. I still, yeah, I just still have an emotional connection to them and still get it. So I'd still call myself a Muse fan. I'm still invested. Um, I think I saw them twice on the last tour, the Royal Albert Hall one that they did for like charity, where they did the metal medley for the first time. Um. They played Olympic Stadium, which is the worst stadium on the planet. Um, okay, <laughs> what makes it the worst stadium on the planet? Oh, have you been? No, I went to I that. I went to that same gig. So Did I'm you... curious to know what was so terrible about it. Oh, the gig was amazing. It was just the place where it was. I hate that venue. I hate everything about it. Trying to get in, trying to get out, trying to ask anyone where they, where anything is. The sound. 
the vibe. I'm not a football fan, but I returned to my friend and went, I know nothing about football, but this building gives me the vibe that all West Ham fans are twats. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, you have no idea how true that is. I was like, okay. Again, so- that's not coming from a point of having ever met a West Ham fan, but I was just like, yeah. this- so- sorry, dad. <laughs> yeah no so the best and um everything matt said about wanting to go back to tenmouth for the next album and having bought jeff buckley's guitar to play on gives me a really good feeling about the next album and i i would hope that having made having it i mean it takes a special something to take your best album and make it even better so i would hope that in revisiting origin symmetry in such depth that they've learned a few things and are about to make an absolute banger i'd be curious to know yeah how much well when you know we don't know how far along they are with this album but did the origin of symmetry remix 66666 come (laughs) are they already sort of halfway through the album and it's not really informed it much or are they now jumping into album mode and they've sort of taken the lessons of listening to origin symmetry in depth and gone oh maybe we should start doing some of that again i would hope so i mean matt told enemy last year that he he was writing it was inspired by the kind of global rise oh, i hate that word the global chaos and protests and everything that was going on and that he had in, he bought jeff buckley's guitar with the intent to play it on an album so i think if you mix all that together with the origin of symmetry stuff and the fact that he very much intended to take the band back to tenmouth that they i think they'll go back to their roots now, this is what they said about drones. Yeah, this is what they said about <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard drones since it came out, but I am aware of the reputation that it has. Do you, do you think a band could, can ever like truly go back to their roots? To, to, to like put it in the language that I suppose some of our listeners will know, I think the well, Manics have attempted that on Know Your Enemy and they said well, about postcards from a young man. I think they managed accomplished that with Journal for Plague Lovers, for instance, and they recaptured something for sure. I mean, it wasn't yeah, the Holy sure. Bible part two, but they got the same, they tapped into the same vein. Um, I think it's possible. The thing is, I think, I don't, I think Muse stopped taking themselves seriously so long ago that I don't know. I would hope so. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing. I think, I think that A, the tongue is so firmly in the cheek now that I think it'd yeah. be hard for them to become as sincere as they were. On it's impossible to remove the tongue from yeah. the cheek. Once the tongue's in the cheek, that's staying there. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe I think if they went, if they went into a different direction, maybe went, if they removed all the pomp and just went down a kind of madness, hypochondriac music, endlessly kind of thing, then they could retain some kind of integrity and intensity without leaving no space for them to suddenly raise an eyebrow and turn on the pyro. I can't see them doing that. The thing is that they've, they, they, they've, you know, they, they have had songs over the more recent albums where they've tried to take a step back from the pomp a little bit and haven't necessarily succeeded as positively as I think they could have. I'm trying to be really vague. Interesting. Yes, because uh, I we won't know anything about but, this. But but yeah, I I don't think they can go back to the roots now. I think that the well, I mean, I, I, what I can say, I guess, is we've we've talked about it on the resistance episode is they've reached the point now where their rock songs are no longer their best songs. In my opinion, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. like obviously Adam, I know you bloody loved unnatural selection, but to me, they're now not the best songs on the album. The best songs on the albums are the ones where they are, are doing new things or, or, you know, doing what new muse do as opposed to the songs where they try and recapture old muse. And it kind of sounds a bit like a 
Muse cover band or a band. Well, I mean, that is true. When they, the, when they, yeah, that is true. I remember the, when the first time they did Madness, I was just like, wow, this is a new version of Muse and it's exciting again. Yeah. Well, in that case, should a band ever really go back to their roots? Is that ever really what people want from a band? That well, that's the, that is the funny thing about drones, isn't it? Which, again, we're going to keep dancing around, but it's it's what people were apparently asking for was, oh, we want rock muse, we want rocky muse, and, think, now, and, and now it's their most shat upon album. <laughs> is, it more, is it? Is it? Is it really? Is it I would more... I would say the prevailing, not the prevailing opinion, but I would say it's probably down there in the. I just I remember everyone having a really good time when drones came out. <laughs> Is that recency bias, though, you know? Is that yeah. like, I love everything new. I remember having a great time when Postcards from a Young Man came out. And, and <laughs> oh, now that's... when I listen to it, I'm not having a great time. I, I know, that's the, that's the Manix album I never got on with. Um, yeah. It was that's, just... the, that's the one Manix album where I liked it more than you two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's, that just too, true. But it's, it's just too, it's just a cheese factory. I'm yeah. not. I'm not sold on that. I mean, and then, yeah, then apart from the... have that, don't they? Yeah, Muse have, have cheese, but but they they know they understand how the cheese was baked. What? Like it's like like the tongues in the cheese, like like Mannix doing a cheese. I don't think Total Postcards of a Young Man was written to be silly and a bit jokey. Oh no, 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 not at all. I think all. like I think yeah. Muse know that like. The second law is silly in a lot of places. Well, say, say what you will about the manics; they're always sincere. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've they've never made a joke in their life. I don't yeah. think, <laughs> yeah. except Jennifer Plague Lovers. Weirdly, um, yeah. so what was so you sort of you sort of alluded to the fact you didn't get resistance when it came out and then you quickly brushed over the second law remind me let me let me get the track list up for second law second law was, is, was... second law's got survival on it that you so uh, Mad- madness. madness slam dunked earlier madness is one of the best songs music ever written um well i was wondering if there was a little dip in your fandom there in in, in the middle and if yeah so, I, I think it's what's because that all about it was when Resistance came out. I was just like, right, I'm done with this. You're the stadium band I thought I would, you know, I always feared you'd become. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just spent that period getting fully into like my Manic, Interpol, sure. Joy Division, right. oh, yes, block, block Party, period. my yeah. post punk period, which I'm still in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and then, and then I think it was uh, going to see Muse on the Second Law tour. That's kind of when I started to accept them for being pure entertainment, um, and you know, going back from there and getting it a bit more. Let me just love a look. Madness, great song. Let me, let me, let's, let's be honest. Supremacy, great song. Madness, good. Song. The Supremacy wasn't the Olympic song, was it? No. That was uh, no. That's the bomb. We're gonna song. win. Yeah, yeah that's the bomb song. Yeah. Panic station. Good laugh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they'd appreciate that or not. Good laugh. I mean, I can't <laughs> I was... comment. I can't comment on any of this because we're a yeah. week away from recording our thoughts on the second law. Oh, okay. Um, we must. When, well... when you say they've become sort of like pure entertainment, what is the other side of that coin? And is it completely lacking from them now? I don't think so. I, I, as I said, they have these flashes of brilliance every now and again. But I talk to my friends. So I've, I've got a circle of friends who are muse fans and you know i've got we've got muse whatsapp groups who always refer to these kind of moments and because they're they're known as this kind of stadium pomp band now it's hard for one day i'm going to sit my grandchild on my lap 
<laughs> and say, <laughs> son slash daughter, well, grandchild. I remember when this was all riffs. <laughs> no, I was saying grandchild. <laughs> there was, there and they're was called a, grandchild. That's their name. I was saying grandchild. <laughs> there was a six-year period at the turn of the century when Muse were genuinely the most exciting band on the planet. And they'll say, shut up, granddad, and they'll put me in a home. <laughs> <laughs> the sign that you finally lost it. But it was just, they were just <laughs> consistent. I mean, when Origin Symmetry came out, you were just like, right, is Matt Bellamy probably is a, an eccentric genius. That's, 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 that's ace. <laughs> yeah. And then, they kept, yeah. and then when, Matt, when Uprising came out, you're like, oh, right. And I don't think that was a matter of the veil being lifted. I just think they went down a different path that instead of being like, right, let's be intense and eccentric and push the envelope and become this kind of the other side of the coin to Radiohead. They went, let's just make people put their, pump their fists in the air Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they are the opposite of Radiohead, aren't they, actually? A band who are in no way concerned with entertaining their audience. <laughs> oh, no, I remember once, I remember, I remember when Time Is Running Out came out. I remember reading something online where someone said that the kind of the, the solo from Time Is Running Out Johnny Greenwood could have written that if he wanted to entertain people. There's still, there's still yeah, shade. There's cool. still, but the thing is, I think it's because they were coming from a similar kind of place of influence, I think, a little bit in, in some cases. But well, they were compared they, for so long, weren't they? They were like, yeah, compared. I think, I think if Radiohead wanted to write a pop song, they could have written Time Is Running Out. <laughs> I guess, I guess yeah, of radio, is, is Radiohead, if, if Radiohead carried on doing what they're doing and their audience shrunk as a result of it, I think they would probably stay the course. They wouldn't course correct based on that. Mm. Whereas I think if Muse started to dip in popularity because of their music, then maybe they'd try and change what they were doing to keep They their, would go just, back I, to their roots. To keep their, to keep their stadiums think, filling. Well, Muse, Muse have reached that U2 Depeche Mode level now where it doesn't really matter what albums they put out. They'll still get to number one they'll still yeah. sell out a stadium tour. So I think I'd, I'd like to think that with regards to everything Matt said recently, that maybe they've started to realize that and can turn down the pomp and just, you know, get real. Well, that would be interesting <laughs> if they really started playing with what they do and are capable of, because I think they're capable of much more interesting things than they are potentially putting out at the moment. Well, are there many examples of that, of bands that get, get enormous and then go, well, we're enormous now. We can kind of do what we want. And oh, monkeys. monkeys. And then, at, yeah. but then, and, oh, stay, wow. and stay as popular. <laughs> but uh, now, uh, this, probably, this might be my ignorance speaking, because I am one of the people who dropped off of Arctic Monkeys because of that. Are they as popular as they were? Yeah. 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 So oh, they have kept that audience. Well, thing, yeah, so they did that. I think when they, after second, they're like, humbug, is, humbug and suck it in the sea. They, you almost feel as if they're trying to shake off their fans. Yeah, for yeah, sure. They're, they're, they're both they're both incredible albums. I mean, Arctic Monkeys have never made. And... Arctic, I mean, I'm one of the people who was. I've not really got a lot of time for Arctic Monkeys' first album. I'm into Arctic Monkeys the weirder they get. I I agree with you. One like probably my joint first favorite Arctic Monkeys album is the newest one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The the sci-fi concept album about a Kub- hotel Kubrick on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I, lo- I love that shit. That's that's I mean, perfect for me. I think. Whereas I I like. 
the other Arctic Monkeys albums, but I don't like, I wish, I just wish it was a different band. Like, I wish I could have both. I wish that band's <laughs> yeah. good, but I want more last night, these two bounces and one of them's all right. Like, really, like <laughs> I really like that. And I, I, but then also they can't keep making music like that when they're a bunch of rich rock stars. They can't really make a song about getting kicked out of a club. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I think I find it so frustrating that Matt Bellamy is like continues to write about exactly the same stuff as he has since he was mid twenties, you know. Well and, and does there I've been starting to think about this with the second or episode, but does does there reach a point where you go, you can't really speak to this as well as you could because you are remarkably wealthy, remarkably famous, you have got the world in your hands, so Shut up a little bit, but that's very, <laughs> but that's very cynical of me to say because you could say the same about like Bono being you know like having like like doing a lot of charitable causes and stuff. I guess you kind of that's just me being quite cynical. I think. Well, I think I think you can because Matt Bellamy doesn't often deal with the micro stuff. He tends to always be dealing with the macro stuff, like world power sy- world power systems and the actual yeah. the actual universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, writing a writing a song about there being no money left for everyone is maybe is still valid, even if he's got plenty. I guess it's mm. still like because yeah, I've got it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how much those tickets cost for that second law tour? Yeah, I've got. All that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the, that's the thing. That's, when a a band like Muse, I think you'll struggle to meet a casual Muse fan. You either love them or hate them, and as a result of that, they always they get their hooks in you, and you kind of keep even if they do something. A bit cringe. You're always just like, ah, oh, it's just muse. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. That's the thing. I mean, I don't really, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. But when muse do that kind of eyebrow racing stuff, I'm just like, what are they like? <laughs> you're cheeky, you're cheeky is, I'm, I'm never, I'm never like this is shit. I'm like, oh, muse. <laughs> I think you're definitely right there because, because like you know, I'm like looking through sort of their uh, their critical response, looking at sort of awards they've won over the years that kind of dried up come a point you know they stopped winning best british band best live band best album things like that like the cure but they will still win sexiest male best fan (laughs) best 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 fan basically anything that's voted for by the fans Mm. they will win because they have got this like absolutely ravenous dedicated fan base but yeah maybe the sort of casual audience has maybe dropped off a bit but then you go to their gigs and it is still full of people what i can only imagine is casual fans because like yeah, I don't think they'd be <laughs> filling stadiums without the casual that's, fans. That, that is true. That is true. Yeah. They're not full of people like me. Like who desperately want them to play agitated or just play agitated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen agitated. They can play something else. That's fine. Lucas what has kind... a spreadsheet, Andrew, uh, of, of all the songs he's seen, so he can tick off new ones if they haven't played it yet. And we're yet to still see this spreadsheet, and I really can't wait. You said I it's mean, not formatted. It looks well, like I mean, a spreadsheet. Right? I don't know what you're so excited about. It looks like a list of songs with with numbers next to them. Right. Mm. Okay. Because it's just, yeah, I now get more excited now, basically, by a song I've not heard versus the actual quality of the song. <laughs> mm, interesting. So I just, I'm just. Well, I've sure. seen them live so many times. I'm, I'm, I imagine you've probably seen them a fairly similar number of times by the sounds of it. But I've, I'm now like, even though I've, I've seen Plug in Baby twenty times. Yeah, I, well, it's the point. This is the thing. So obviously, I've got this circle of Muse fans who have been a Muse fan as long as I have, and the same kind of Muse apologists. Like they'll be like, leave them alone. <laughs> um, and to the point where we'll be at a gig, and it just the way Matt Bellamy stands, and if he goes. All right, Pugging Baby's going to start in 15 seconds' time. Or, 
Like, it's going to be a newborn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just know now. What I want is to be at Wembley Stadium on the next album tour. You're like four songs in, complete silence, dead silence. Do, 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 do. That's what I That's want. That's a surprise, yeah. <laughs> Which is why that Shepherd's Bush gig that they did was so... Oh, did you go? Remarkable. I managed to get tickets, yeah. Hey. It was, it was this the best, just, best gig I've ever been to. <laughs> this episode is just you guys showing off about which music gigs yeah. you've been to. I mean, it sounds um, like mostly the same ones by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you ever truly be surprising at a stadium gig, though? Yeah. You have to send the crowd home happy to well, you, some you degree, need to, right? You need to do what... Radio, I mean, Radiohead will very rarely play the same set two nights in a row even if it's just yeah. a matter of taking five songs and putting them up there and you know swapping yeah, yeah. the encore and the opener and stuff bands like pearl jam will never play the same set two nights i think it's a pearl jam is it true that pearl jam have never played the same set twice in their life i think i read somewhere yeah that's also true of radiohead i think yeah um so i think it is possible especially if you've got the following but with muse the difference is that what we talked about earlier they've got the circuit of soleil thing in the background so each song each song will trigger a robot or yeah. a set of dancers. Yeah. So what they, if they a could specific let, lighting state. Yeah. yeah. If they could let that go, then they could surprise us live again. Which is why they've when they do occasionally do those little little by request gigs or the small tour or that Albert Hall gig that you went to, uh, you know. Although actually I was at that gig, they did nothing surprising, did they? Which is Oh the metal metal medley was quite surprising. Yeah, true. I mean it's more just Apart them warming from... up. Yeah, I wanted I wanted all of Newborn. Not oh, do you know the best song we've ever written? Here's a tiny, tiny bit of it. Yeah, they didn't put <laughs> Newborn in a medley, did they? Yeah, just the riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that the riff, quite surprising. The riff, we'll the riff, the verse, and the chorus. I think. I think they did like a, they basically do like a, a two minute long version of Newborn. They like just squish it all into the space of a quick song. Oh, you don't see medleys yeah. very often these days, no. do you? But yeah, that, then... that's 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 the gigs where you do that stuff, right? Is do this. But I've been to a few of those small gigs, and you get you get a couple of surprises but fill it with loads of them if you haven't got to the dancers to worry about <laughs> don't don't even bother playing time is running out we've heard it play play <laughs> oh, yeah, bring back like butterflies and hurricanes or yeah nice you know although adam, would, although adam wouldn't be happy about that though adam would kick off not first no not first uh in in general this is such a vague question i just never worked out a better way to sort of ask it what kind of space do they occupy in the musical sort of landscape. It feels like sometimes that they're entirely out on their own limb. I think so. Um, as I said before, I think they went from being the, I remember like, I remember buying Kerrang! in 2002. It was around the time Hullabaloo came out and they were all in black matrix overcoats, spiky hair. Lovely. And I was just like, wow, that's, there's no one like this. These are just these crazy nerdy scientists on mushrooms <laughs> is what I loved about them at that time. <laughs> they were just, they were just like nerds like you, but sounded like, like, like nerds traveling a go at being rock stars and pulling it off better than actual rock stars. Um, and then I think they moved past that into now, as I said, I think they're in this kind of like statement state, What's the word I'm looking for? They're kind of like elder statesmen of rock now. Interesting. 20 years is a long time. But if you think back to 2001 when you were getting into Muse, 
you would I remember that was around the time that um all that you can't leave behind by U2 came out and that was yeah. very much U2 being a cartoon version of U2 and that was 20 years since r- roughly that must have been like around 20 years since U2 started so if you think about it in terms of distance if you're a kid today Muse are playing a stadium you're going to think of Muse like we thought about U2 in 2001 so I think they're in that kind of Depeche mode gap where they can do what they want um, they're not U2 in the sense that they're not an everyman band they're Depeche mode in that they're fucking weird, but they still sell out a stadium. There was a sense of snobbery around sort of well, liking you other- two at that point that I definitely see in liking Muse now. This is it. Having there, there it has never been cool to be a Muse fan. Apart I think from no comeback round. Apart from arguably Absolution, Black Holes was pos- probably the only period it was anything close to cool to be a Muse fan. That's when yeah. I was a fan, so yeah, but... it must, be, must have been my influence. <laughs> up, up, like, like I say, up, Uprising basically cut off them from like a huge chunk of the audience, basically, where they went, no, not cool anymore, lame band, won't listen to them. Yeah. And that kind of... there, was some, there was something about, like there was, even, even in the most more out there, the pompous moments of Black Holes, there was still really clever slick pop going on. And then they went the other way. But yeah, so I th- I think uh, yeah that would be the only time it was cool to be a music fan was probably two thousand and three to two thousand and six, and then after that it was just nah. They don't appear to me in terms of like musical landscape to be a terribly influential band. Um, I don't know. Which... I think if you listen to, it, I they are there, but I just think they they're not influencing bands. Like for instance, I don't think um, bands that may not list them as an influence. They still paved the way. For instance, Muse paved the way for a band like Royal Blood. Royal Blood probably don't count Muse yes. as an influence, but in terms of the whole primal riff rock arena-sized kind of thing, then yeah. And I think if you look, there's a lot of bands out there like Nothing But Thieves, and to a, to a certain degree, like a lot of what Bring Me the Horizon do is probably got Muse's fingerprints on it, if even if they don't admit it. I think there's a lot of kind of arena rock and histrionic weirdness, like a band like Nothing But Thieves. I, th- I think it's out there. Biffy as well, to a certain extent, even though Biffy came out the exact same time as Muse, a lot of what they have done is Muse-shaped. I suppose it's difficult to be as big as Muse are and not have some kind of effect on your, your peers and the people that come after you. But I you're right, there's, the- there's nobody who like, there's not really any huge bands that list them as an influence, is there? No, but and I think that a lot of bands would have been influenced by them, might not admit to it. And the reason for that might have been because Muse's influences are so myriad and wide. Another thing, another reason for that is because how many bands are you going to find that can play grade eight classical piano? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's this is very it. This true. is a, one of the things I missed out from my story was after Origins of Future came out, me and my mates formed a band. And we were just jamming Muse songs, trying to be Muse. And it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing they don't, they don't get enough credit for. They get, I mean, they, they get so much shit, but they're... Matt Bellamy, it makes, it, I think a lot, he gets a lot of shit for his lyrics, and he'll admit that. And some of the other clunkiness they do and some of the pomp and fist-grabbing, fist-raising Bono moments and whatnot. But it's really hard to be Muse. They're all you'll struggle to find a, a three piece that makes as much noise as they do. You'll struggle to find three musicians as talented as they do. If you were going to say 
name the best pianist, guitarist, bassist, and drummer, they would be the top of most people's lists. So it, despite their lack of influence, if someone was to say, who's the best guitarist of the 21st century? Most people would have Matt Bellamy in their top five. If someone was to say, who's you know, the best drummer out there? Like, Dom Howard's pretty fucking great. Who's written as many incredible bass lines as Chris Wilson? Now? No one. <laughs> that's true. That <laughs> so I think it, that's, that's their, I think their influence comes in their sort of virtuosity and their skill, if it's not necessarily their songwriting. But I think there's, if it has come from their songwriting, it's because their kind of influences are so myriad and kind of disparate that you're going to struggle to find a band who will love Jeff Buckley, but can also play a Rage Against the Machine riff and a Rec Maninov piano concerto. How can you you be explicitly influenced by Muse without sounding exactly like Muse? There there is also the aspect that um, since, you know, 2001, when they were putting out mad rock records, rock music has kind of... uh, it's gone away a little bit, you know. It's it's hibernating, as Alex Turner would 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 tell yeah, us. Down in the but, slump. <laughs> but but Muse have escaped rock music kind of altogether. That's what I mean. Like they're kind of on this weird limb where they're one of Britain's biggest rock bands who aren't necessarily always playing rock music. Yeah, it's an think- odd position to hold. Yeah, I think that's also another trend. Like, for instance, I don't consider 21 Pilots to be a rock band, um, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, make yes pop. they are. It's this kind of... Imagine Dragons as well. Yeah, same. And then kind of what Coldplay are doing now is not, you know, that sounds just like something Calvin Harris made in his shed. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard horrible things about his shed. <laughs> I should steer. steer it, was clear of that. it was it was acceptable in the eighties. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, Do you know what? I, I, compl- I completely <laughs> fucking forget that that's his song. He's moved so far past even like that that kind of weird tongue in cheek thing. Anyway, dance, dance with me. Well, Dizzy Rascal played one of those Wembley gigs, didn't he? As well. Yeah, he played the Second Law Tour. Yeah, he did the Emirates. Would have been the gig you probably would have gone to. I imagine. You went to that tour. Weird bands, don't they? It's funny. You you just mentioned the bands that they they potentially influenced, and most of them have supported Muse at one time or another. Yeah. Of that list of people you just listed, they've all mostly supported Muse. Yeah. Oh my god! The weirdest support bill I've ever seen in my life is when I went to see Coldplay at like I think it was Wembley, and it was White Lies. Do you remember White Lies? Yep. Yep. And then it was Girls Aloud. (laughs) <laughs> and then it was Jay-Z and then it was Coldplay that was a weird evening in my life well that's <laughs> that is Coldplay fully fully acknowledging their place as a Radio 1 band so they they, they don't just yeah, fill it with a little true. don't fill it with little indie bands as support act they will go well we've got Radio 1 mums at this gig yeah. who, want to, who want to see Fix You and Viva La Vida so they're going to get Girls Allowed in because they'll probably yeah. enjoy that they were good who, so which, which, which which band? All of them, oh. except White Lies, who were. <laughs> That's something. Muse, Muse actually, of recent years, have really like dropped the ball with support acts. I feel like they just tend to get a bit of a no name. Bit savage, I'm being to all the bands that support. I can't. Muse, I, I, I can't. But say like, I've seen they it. used to get big names in. You know, used to get like Dizzy Rascal, Biffy Clyro, My Chemical Romance, The Streets. They used to get like a big name in to support them because they can. Ooh. They've got the clout. 
Whereas now they'll have a. Who are they? Whoa. Sorry, my. Sorry about that. My iTunes started playing. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we didn't hear it. <laughs> Weird. We're going to get a copyright strike. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I remember. Is, um, is that more uh, to do, Lucas, with like those were the bands that were popular when you were the appropriate age and now actually Muse fans en masse are much younger and they're getting in artists that you don't really know. Yeah, I mean, this might just be my ignorance. Let's continue talking. I'm just going to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. sorry, I interrupted you, Andrew. We'll, uh, we'll I'm just going to find out who supported... Googling something. Oh, no, but the abs- when I saw them at Nottingham Arena on the Absolution Tour, the two support acts were Your Codename is Milo and Elbow. Elbow. And I thought that was the perfect alchemy of Muse. Like one was like your current name is Miley for those who don't remember, underrated post rock screechy band. Mm. And then Elbow, the kind of soulful, you know, everyone knows Elbow. I don't need to describe Elbow to you. <laughs> but I thought that was the perfect support because they were completely different to Muse, but they captured both sides of Muse. Um, and then I don't know if I've experienced that since. I remember the Elbow support on that tour being like. The only thing it made me think of, I think were Elbow, I wasn't really into Elbow yet at that point, but they were a bit more downbeat at that point. Yeah, it was their second album when they were kind of a, like a massive attack meets sad Ben's era Radiohead kind of sound. And, and I think he was sat on a stool. I forget his name, the, the lead singer. Of- oh, yeah. No, I remember when he, because they have a song called Newborn as well. <laughs> right. Um, completely different vibe, but it's just the, the end is just. Guy Garvey strumming an acoustic guitar and like screw like howling in the most heavenly way. I remember Muse fans were bored because a guy on a on a stool with an acoustic guitar. But by the time he reached that, everyone was like, "Oh wow, wow!" Well, that's... yeah, that's that's the thing. I was like thirteen at that point, and I remember just drawing comparisons to Welcome to Jazz Club. Nice, because <laughs> he was sat on a stool and just like had a mic in his hand and was just singing. And I remember thinking, finding it really boring. And now I'd be like, "Oh, I missed the boat there." Like I saw, I saw Elbow supporting them, and I didn't really care. <laughs> Um, Adam, you're uh, basically correct, by the way. Looking at the people that largely supported the Simulation Theory tour, it actually is bands that I do know of. I just know that I'm not the target audience for anymore. Uh, do you I also bother f- turning I also, up for support acts anymore? I now also that you're a guy that sits in seats, do you just get there for just before Muse come on? Uh, well, no, because I remember that I did see Tom Morello because they got Tom Morello to support. Oh, cool. So that actually, feels appropriate. So actually, yeah, it's very appropriate. Exactly. Uh, so actually, I'm just an idiot and wrong and ignore everything I said. And that'll be the end of the podcast. I finally proved my point that Lucas (laughs) is an idiot and is wrong. (laughs) Um, What 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 do you think that that you know when Muse hang up the whatever it is they'll hang up yeah the The, glove that that bloody glove (laughs) bloody now is it oh god it's dripping. Everyone everyone knows the glove I'm referring to, right? Uh, Uh, I I think I think these two actually don't. I have been. Oh, uh, I, so I've, just, I've made. They're aware there is. They're aware know. there is a glove. And there is a glove. We're yet to behold. <laughs> the closest yeah. I've ever got to beholding the glove is mm-hmm. uh, the gift that you sent in in our Twitter chat, Andrew. So, all oh, right, um, I'm so almost all, completely blind on it. Yeah, this all makes sense to you now. So yeah, the, I can't the last wait. I can't the, wait to behold the last tour <laughs> was made into a kind of sci-fi movie in which yes. Matt Bellamy had to get a glove for some reason. Yeah. Great! That's the episode uh, of this podcast I'm literally the most excited to do. I can't yeah, wait to watch this, that film this, with these guys. This is what I mean. That was just pure entertainment. I mean, you just all pretend. I mean, people call me as pretentious. They're not pretentious. They don't give a shit. Yeah, that's really <laughs> true. Actually, I think they might be the least pretentious band uh, around at the moment. Yeah, I think pretentious yeah. people are the ones that have now that are that are cynical about Muse. The people that are very like. 
Yeah, they're the potential. They're, what what are you pretending? They're gen. This is they're genuinely this mental. Yeah, I saw the panic station video for the first time the other day. You can't say those guys are pretentious. It's just insane. This is the thing. So I remember like one thing. One of the things I got into about these. What I said before, like when they were just those weird nerdy scientists, like having a go at being rock stars and being better rock stars than actual rock stars. That was one of the things that made me look. And then I remember like watching Hullabaloo Disc Two. And it was just three mates having a fucking good time. See, and that, that's, that's, I think that's why I kind of hold, hold a place into my heart. Is you can always tell they're three mates who have been friends since they were 11 going, how much can we get away with? Yeah. Like, can we, right? got, you can see it on stage where Matt's like, watch me, watch me do this ridiculous thing. And Dom's just like, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> like, that's what you love about, that's what I love about music. The three mates being like, should, should watch this. What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that their legacy will ultimately be? That's a good question. Hmm. I don't know. As I said, what you're talking about in terms of influence, I think Matt Bellamy is an influential guitar player. And I think, for instance, like Plug In Baby is up there with Sweet Child of Mine now. Because it's, it's a recent song in our memory, but that's 20 years old now. That's as distant as we were from Sweet Child of Mine. And stuff like that yeah We're so i think it's <laughs> i think i think that they might be looked upon for all the things we said the pomp but i think that when people dig into their first four albums they'd be like right great it's just like whenever you talk to a u2 fan and they try to convince you that u2 u2 were this really exciting post-punk band for like, what really <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff like on bought a boy in war and stuff like that you mean yeah yeah i think people will be like <clears throat> go back to origin of symmetry and you'll get it and i think we, we might start seeing that now i think that origin of symmetry being now being at the top of people's spotify they'll start to learn a new side of news because obviously that's you know it doesn't matter if the radio play it or not i think there's a generation of kids now kids fucking hell i think there's a generation <laughs> there's a generation of spotify minded music listeners who are going to have their minds, the top of their head blown off by Origin Symmetry the same way that we were. And they'll be remembered that, for that side of things. That's interesting because in, you know, the, with the remix, I think that what they've done is made a little slice of old Muse sound a little bit more like new Muse. Really? I think they've yeah. made the album, they, I think they've made the album Origin Symmetry should always have been. Interesting. Because I remember when, when Absolution came out, I convinced myself it was a better album just because it sounded better. And the songs were, you know, more structural, more structured, accessible pop songs. Yeah. And then if you got, like, how you would, you'd get Absolution, be obsessed with it for a year, dip back into Origin of Symmetry, go, what is this mucky, filthy sound? Whereas if, Absolution, if Origin of Symmetry had always sounded like this, it would have been a different story. I think that's maybe part of the reason why, as I said, Origin of Symmetry is one of my favourite albums, but I can go for a, a couple of years without listening to it, is because it's hard to listen to in that sense because of its production. I think this is the album they always should have made. I think Citizen Erased is 12 times better. Mathematically, 12 times better. That's the number. <laughs> um, a lot of it isn't yeah, it's a bit there, but, you know... I think I, I think it's far superior, and Futurism belongs on that album. And controver- I don't know if this is controversial. I don't know. If, I don't, maybe it's probably not. Feeling good has no place on Origin of Symmetry. Oh, that is that's the prevailing opinion of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that song can fuck off. In fact, they even put 
put futurism where exactly where you said, right, Adam? Where Did it they? Should, where it should have been? Is that Did right? they? I don't think yeah. so. I think they've just stuck it before feeling good. I think they stuck it after feeling good, didn't they? I might. Uh, who knows? We'll never. Oh know. yeah, after feeling There's good. There's no way of knowing before <laughs> Megalomania. Yeah. Yeah, because it still breaks up the little trilogy that they should That's have kept right, intact, yeah. which is the the screen, screen age of Dark Shines Megalomania. Should, oh, and this is it. I mean, together. I like how the Manics described their um, their B sides as a secret history. Yeah, I mean that's so true of news. I think there's there's a really good, especially on the first two albums, which is probably the last bit they made proper B sides, a really good kind of secret history to Muse and the kind of interesting routes they could have gone down. They're some of their best, most interesting moments. Yeah, that's, that's the reason you really like Color Blue, right, Adam? Is you know, yeah, I prefer Color yeah. Blue to Absolution. Cause it's, cause yeah. it's got a weird, weird vibe. It has a weird tone. Mm. Yeah, it's almost spooky. Yeah, yeah. There's some interesting sort of like trip hop diversions on that uh, on that record. Yeah, well, yeah. did they cool. put the did they put the gallery? The gallery, yes. Your Zoom cut out there for a second, but the gallery's on Hullabaloo, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah, Adam, you really liked so. it. It was like your mo- it was like one of your highest rated things on that album. Quote unquote, sure, album. it's probably on that. No, I think the highest rated thing on that album for me is hypochondriac music. Because okay. there's good point. Well, I've got a theory that I made a mix where hypochondriac music came up at the end of Absolution as like a reprise. Oh, no, Absolution. Okay. Sorry, Origin of Symmetry is a reprise. Yeah, yeah, that would interesting. be interesting. Cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, what modern muse would do that now? Whereas I think they'd maybe would be more inclined to go, let's put the same song on the album twice. The thing I love about Origin of Symmetry is pretty much the same thing that I love about the Manic Street Preachers album, The Holy Bible, which is that it's grimy and you do have to be in the right mood to sort of listen to it. And I think making it more accessible and slightly nicer to, to listen to has, has taken something away from it for me personally. Yeah, I understand that. I, I, I just think that it brings, like for instance, the harpsichord sounds in microcuts that I did had no idea were there, but now that you've, have I cut out? No? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, harpsichord, the harpsichord sounds in microcuts that you never knew were there. Now that you know they're there, the song has like another dimension to it. But the same measure, like of the Holy Bible is the best album ever made. Just is that also mathematically confirmed? That mathematically <laughs> the best album ever made. Um, <laughs> but I get something completely different from the US mix. Yes, that's true. Now we never covered the US mix because uh I genuinely think it's more than Lucas Steve could put up with. Um <laughs> that do, do you know what I'm 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 wondering if over time the Origin of Symmetry remix becomes like the US mix of the Holy Bible for me in that it's a track by track thing. I think that because Bliss um, and Plug in Baby are basically the same and haven't changed, and it's now at the top of Spotify, I think it'll be like it is now with Taylor Swift rewriting, not rewriting, with Taylor Swift re recording all of her material. I think for yeah. a lot of people, this will just be the version of Origin of Symmetry. That's in. That'll be very interesting if that's the case. It'll be a lot of the um, the I'm first sure time people have heard, that. have heard the album. I bet because people would have got into simulation theory or whatever, and then it would have just popped up on um, Spotify that Muse have got a new album, and they'll be like, "Oh, what's this?" And then they'll listen to Origin of Symmetry, Symmetry for the first time, and it'll be yeah. this version. Yeah, yeah. To some of, some of some of the the casual listeners, that might just be the case. I think I would always still go and listen to original Origin of Symmetry because. Original of symmetry. Yeah, original yes. of symmetry. 
because <laughs> because even okay, even yeah. if there's songs even if there's some that I think are better and some that I think are worse it's still it's different and I yeah. I want to listen to the Orison Symmetry that I know and love in my heart don't want change well it's not just, yeah. just change but it's just like it doesn't <laughs> sound it doesn't sound correct to you know it doesn't sound like it sounds like a, a, a you know like an alternate reality version of the song instead of just like the definitive version of the song Mm, right. It's like what they yeah. did on the second disc of Simulation Theory, which we'll get to, which is they actually did do like alternate versions of songs, and they are quite clearly not the 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 main take of that song. They are kind of a different spin on it. So is is the consensus here that, for instance, the new version of Citizen Arrays and Microfits aren't far superior? That I would love be the strings. My opinion. Yeah. I love the anything where there's some strings added to the album or strings enhanced on the album. That's my, that's talking my language. Mm. I'm absolutely on board for that. Uh, I'm quite on board for the harpsichord. Quite yeah, like that. Love a bit of harpsichord. Not on board with the fact that I can more clearly make out what Matt is saying on microcuts. Because yeah, that's part of, of that, what I love about it is that it's gone. just that's chaos. True. I don't like that. I also don't like that the, the, the blend between tracks has completely disappeared. So the tracks yeah. no longer flow together in that same way that the album did originally. So that the phasing microphone. thing yeah. from Citizen Erased has completely disappeared from the Yeah, from and the same into I, Newborn. Going from hype music into Newborn, uh, sorry, hype music into Plug-in Baby doesn't have that, the, the, the little sound that it's now yeah. gone. So all those little things are just like, oh, it's not the same. I hadn't, I hadn't considered what you said about microcuts. I remember being 11 years old and listening to microcuts and then going to see them at Doncaster Dome and everyone's just going, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was, yeah. it's like when you it's like when you watch Cigarettes at a festival. It's just eight thousand people going Splendor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, the, the, that's the, I, I missed. Maybe we've lost some of the mystery of microcuts. You're right. Yeah, I, I can. You can now hear that he's saying puppet strings instead of puppies, <laughs> puppy, puppies dreams, which is what I've always, it's always been. It's puppies dreams, and I don't like that. It, I can hear that it's not now. That's wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll now listen to the remix version of the album almost as like a little, like a little something different. I'll just go, oh, I'm going to listen to the, the different version of the album just as a little something. But I think my default would always be to go and listen to the Ridge. Because hmm. I don't like... Of symmetry. The origin, yes, the, yes. the origin yes. of symmetry. Yes, thank you, yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um... Uh, Andrew, we tasked you with the incredibly difficult, uh, the Sisyphean task of um, giving us your top 10 Muse songs. Um, yeah. I am, I'm very interested in this now because, because of what you've been saying about Muse throughout, throughout the whole thing. I'm, I'm wondering what the balance of like silly to earnest will be, how much will be old, how much will be new. Um, is, is it, is it sequenced in any particular way? Have you got a definitive, this is my number one. This is my yeah. number two. Would you like it's me to go good. from, would you like me to go from let's, 10 to one? Let's go 10 to one. Let's do it. <clears throat> Am I allowed to, so, I, I've cheated on number 10. It's the only time I've done it. I have a joint number 10. Oh, <laughs> Get out just of because, here. just because <laughs> they're both attempting the same thing. So okay. it's going to be high for music and hypochondriac music, and that's fine. <laughs> oh well, no, it isn't. So <laughs> okay. number ten is madness slash endlessly because <laughs> I'm not sure about it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a it's 
that's one of the same, one of the few times where I, I think Muse were sort of taking it quite seriously. That's about as serious as Muse gets in a sense. And I think it's a very yeah. kind of somber, soulful, sophisticated pop version of Muse on those two tracks. Apart from the guitar solo in Madness, which is pure Queen, but I think that's the most kind of earnest they've been on those two songs. And they're great pop songs as a result. Madness slash Endlessly at number 10. Yeah, Endlessly for me, a bit of a lost single. Yeah. Endlessly, one of my favourite things off of Absolution. Sure, Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's so many. I mean, like Thoughts of a Dying Atheist is when they tried to write a Smith song and got away with it. Oh, that's I've not heard that before when they try to it's a smith it's a it sounds exactly like the smith it's a johnny ma riff the it's so morrissey it's a smith song through and through yeah no you're right (laughs) yeah that's a really good shout wow maybe i like that song now anyway (laughs) that that song got that song got fairly not shat on but it was fairly like shrugged out when we covered it yeah well i remember like people if there was an album track fans at the time i don't know if they still do it would always go for the small print but now I yeah, think I'm I would, yes, and now yeah. I go back and um, you know, thoughts of dying atheists, blackout, and endlessly the ones that stand out far more than the whole like let's rock. But, but also, it wouldn't be a Muse album if it didn't have that song, which is the one that the fans really like, and they'll never play it live. And fuck you, exactly. <laughs> Every single album's got one, and it's like, well, please, just oh, if, like they literally, it's like they make a make a trend of it. They just go, well, this is the one though that we'll actually never play, and we'll kind of just record it, throw it out there. It's not a single. We're never going to play it. Bugger off. Forgotten about. Infuriating. No, that, they've never written a song called Infuriating. Oh, sorry. Does sound like a Muse track, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds like all of the Muse tracks to me. Good job. Uh, number nine. Number nine, um, we discussed it, hypochondriac music. Yes! Because it's, some, it's a sound and a mood they've only tried to capture once, and they capture yes, it they so well. Never, they of, never repeat that. Yeah. And it kind of, I'm kind of happy with that. Because they'll never get this kind of woozy, sleepy, almost shoegazy sound. I think if they had continued trying to find that sound, the Radiohead comparisons would have never stopped. Yeah, but it's. I think that's probably why they didn't. Yeah, put it on for, the sure. But for it's, sure. Yeah, it's 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 just a. It's one of those great B sides. I mean, bands don't make B sides anymore. But if they were to write a textbook on B sides, this would be in there. Is why you should. I'd be curious as well to know if Muse hadn't become a stadium filling band, if they just kind of capped their popularity at a point and they didn't become mega mega stars, would they have maybe done a bit more stuff like this? They would have maybe done the weirder and the more sort of introspective stuff because they weren't writing for stadiums, which is what they also. I imagine that I've seen a picture of the Simulations Theory stage show. I imagine they wrote that album knowing they could have a giant robot behind them. <laughs> Whereas they, if, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's an interesting thought, definitely. So where are we now? Number eight. Yes. Microcuts. Oh yes. Cool. Yes. For the reasons we just mentioned, I mean, try and without try and describe that song to someone. It's there's no other. Yeah. You can't compare it to anything. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, and it's yeah, it's just a work of art i mean i remember what you said before i did i, I completely forgot about the whole being 11 year old with 11 12 years old when the album came out i just think what the fuck is happening the riff the vocals the lyrics everything are oh, michael cuts should be you know a staple muse set opener second song in 
opener. Can you imagine them opening <laughs> with micro cuts? <laughs> yeah, oh, they did for a bit. That they did great. for a bit of the origin before they wrote Dead Star. They did. I didn't. Have to yeah, that, that is that is a cool opener. It's a real tone setter. Yeah. Um, which version's going in, uh, Andrew? Oh, I'm gonna. Uh, that's a good point. I think I'm gonna put the old one in for what we said uh-huh. about for the mystique because I may live to regret the second. I mean, I love the second but now because it's new and it's punchier. But there's a few things like the sludginess of the first one, and then when it pans at the riff from the, at the end, it goes. Yeah. That was such a really cool dynamic moment on the record that now feels a bit kind of gimmicky when everything's quite punchy. But yeah, I'm going to put the old one in just because okay, it's cool. so weird and so pure. And this is locked in and you can never change your mind, just so you know. <laughs> there it is. It's there. Good. <laughs> number, number seven. <laughs> number seven is Muslim Museum. Oh, their most famous song. Shut up. I, I, just... just <laughs> I should probably explain. I, I, because I didn't know a whole lot about Muse coming into this season. I genuinely thought that that would be like their, their closer or something. Because I, it was the only one I remembered off Showbiz. So I assumed it was one of their biggest songs ever. To you, Muscle yeah. Museum is like another plug-in baby. Yeah, like one of their staples. Yeah, yeah pretty but... sure. That's, that's, I mean, what they said about Origin Symmetry being their best album or one of my favorite albums of all time. Showbiz is probably the album I revisit the most. Oh. And I don't know what it is about it. It's just something about it that is intriguing because maybe it's because it's Muse unpolished mm. and there's still some great songs on there. But Muslim Museum, every time I hear that song, I just it's like a cold wave coming over you. Just, oh, yeah, what a song. I just love the kind of innocence of Muse on this and how they're still going to like to get those crazy dynamics in there. It's not really singing about anything in particular, I don't think. Maybe just being teenage and being annoyed. Toilets and stuff. Toilets and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, I just, I love the simplicity of moments on showbiz and this for that reason. I mean, if, if, if I were to say, if I were to pick one song for them to bring back and play at every gig, it would be Muscle Museum. Interesting. Yeah. I'd love to see it live. No, no one hates Muscle Museum here. We're good. Uh, Adam, (laughs) didn't you, didn't you hate Muscle Museum? I don't hate it. I just, I, I barely think, think about it, Lucas. Yeah, it's just such a weird curiosity. Like the, it, it, it's just a strange song. I mean, the the weird sort of Greek guitar. It just doesn't flow like a pop song. That is the the song that broke them. Well, not didn't like plug in baby break them, but you know you know what I mean. In terms of yeah. it, like broke them in the nineties. It's such a weird curiosity that I just find fascinating. Yeah, imagine putting that on the radio now. Exactly. And then be like, oh, yeah, you'll be headlining Wembley in five years' time. That's what the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've got, you know, no no massive issues with Muscle Museum. That's fine. We're going into That's fine, Andrew. He'll let you. That's fine. I've written it down and that's okay. (laughs) Number six. For pretty much the same reasons, um, Showbiz. Oh, Oh, yeah, absolute. Now now you're talking my language. That that is like probably it's one of the highlights of that album for me, and it's fairly faultless. Fairly faultless lyrically, the way it flows and builds. Cave, I think, is a bit like being hit over the head with a hammer. Muse being like, "Oh, we can be epic," whereas Showbiz, <laughs> there's something so natural to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one it's- of the one of the few moments on that album where they um, they actually like it feels genuinely like chaotic and like it's mm. 
slightly out of their control what's what's happening exactly yeah it's cool i like that song a lot i think i think we all rated that song pretty highly off that's of, the best i think it's the best, best song, song of the album by a country mile what is a country mile it's one mile but in the countryside i think it feels longer because there's no there's not like a nando's or a Pramonje. That's actually right, a really good take. That's, that's actually probably, probably accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gra- grass and hills. Yeah. All right, we're sloping into the top five now. <laughs> this well, is so. So far, this is all pre two thousand and four, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh well, no! Oh no! Madness! Madness is oh, in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort Let's of. see. Okay. Number well, this five. one surprised me. I think everyone had a vibe. You know, in, in lockdown, everyone got quite nostalgia and going back and listening to things they hadn't done. I mean, I found myself um, repeatedly watching uh, a live vid- different live videos of Ruled by Secrecy. All right. Okay. Oh, yes. It's a genuinely beautiful, spooky song. It is spooky. Yeah, thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for using the word spooky. Now, would, would that yeah. song, was that a song that wouldn't have been on your top list previously but on going back and listening to it later it's kind of gone up in your estimation yeah i think it i think it the list probably would have been more dominated by maybe i would have stuck a hysteria in there or uh i don't know or maybe the thing is again maybe i would have put hyper music instead of hypochondriac music but you know what it's like in lockdown you want to feel you want to feel comforted don't you Mm. yeah so i went back to my hypochondriacs and my ruled by secrecy and again it's it's Muse have many qualities, but how often are they have they written genuinely beautiful songs? Yeah, that's true. I can maybe count like thirty or forty. Three, <laughs> two or three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picking just... up on some context clues. Does that mean Hysteria is not in this list? Oh, we'll wait and see. Okay, oh. it's, it's interesting that you said what I say about Rubber Sixty though, because there, there seems to be a prevailing thing. It was the case of me, someone else. I think it was maybe Emily that we spoke to. And also just, yeah. I've seen a lot of people online. It really seems to be a grower. It seems to be a song that people go back to and go, huh, this song is great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what happened with me. I didn't really rate it. And then they played it in like 2010 at like a Wembley Stadium gig. Uh, and I was like, oh, they're playing by Secrecy, like random. And I was like, oh, fuck, is Rule by Secrecy like really amazing? And now I love it. It's it's a weird yeah. it's a weird song. It seems to grow on people. Yeah, it's kind of like a cousin of Megalomania, which is a similar kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, Megalomania is another one of those beautiful songs. I didn't put uh, Megalomania should probably be in this top ten, but I could have just given you the first ten songs of. I could have just given you Origin Symmetry without feeling good if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah just shake it up a good bit. instinct. Yeah. <laughs> in at four, map of the problematic, problematic, problematic. I've never said it out uh, loud before. I say <laughs> yeah. problematic. Same. Problematic. But apparently Matt said <laughs> problematic, which is just, well, who knows? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anyway, there's nothing problematic <laughs> about that song. It's Very just good. fucking... Uh, like, a, like a radio <laughs> DJ there. <laughs> that's my number one. Uh, I, that, that's, that's currently my favourite Muse song ever. It's just, it's just great. It's... Uh, Nice splash of Depeche Mode to it, which always wins points with me. Um, again, I mean, they could have, they were kind of, there was what was good about, um, what's that happened again? Black Holes and Revelations. At times, it sounds like, you know, a greatest hits of various, or a greatest hits, a greatest hits in the sense that they go through so many different moods and modes. Yeah. And 
Map of, map of the problem. I mean, it was a single, wasn't it? But not a proper single. It was one of those pointless online singles at the time. Bingo. <laughs> but what a song. I mean, yeah, and again, it's really cool. it, like Showbiz, it's just so pure. There's nothing about it. The lyrics are genuinely good. <laughs> um, yep, yep. Musically, it's a journey. It always fucking pumps live. What a song. And it's got that bit that goes... <laughs> yeah, the, di- it's Which, a gym, yeah. the, the dynamics. <laughs> That's my favourite bit. That drum, <laughs> that drum <laughs> feels it's like I'm actually listening to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it's got that like drama of like a, like a one of the more dramatic music songs. It's still got that sort of sense of like... This is it. A bit it, a bit film scorey, a little bit dramatic, a bit. It's sort of peak music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Peak music is dramatic without being pompous. And that's the song that I forgot to put on my top ten. And as soon as Adam mentioned it, I went, "Ah, oh, fuck." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> I'm so curious about this top three. Okay, number three. Let's not fuck about supermassive black hole. Oh yes, cool song. <laughs> Fucking cool song. awesome. So this is what I mean. This is this was. This was probably the peak time where it was where it was considered cool to be a mute. This is one of the few times where you'd go to an indie club where they play a muse song. Yeah. yeah was a, that's it was true. a great time to be alive. First started Monkeys album, everyone was dancing. And then just when things were about to get they they play Supermassive Black Hole and things would get a bit sexy. Like muse aren't oh, yeah, sexy. How did how a very sexy little bit song. sexy? Little it's very sexy. sexy. And I'm a huge fan of I was already a huge fan of um Belgian band Millionaire who they admit they ripped off for this song. Um, Ooh, I don't know that. Yeah, go listen to the first Millionaire album outside the Simeon Flock. Um, it's all this kind of like Belgian, sexy space funk. Sounds so like look- my jam. Yeah, so sound- <laughs> that sounds like something I should be listening to. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it's like, it's kind of like, it's like early soul wax, but sexier. Ooh. Yeah, and that's what Muse, Muse are actually on record of saying that that's what the kind of thing they were challenge- uh, channeling on this. And it's just... Like, it's just fucking a great song. Great little pop song to sound like Louis Walsh. But, um, <laughs> it's just, I remember like, like, being so excited for um, the, the wait between Absolution and Black Holes and Revelation seems to last an eternity. And then when that song came out, like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> so, so, you weren't one of the, so you weren't one of the people who was sort of like, oh, is Muse, is Muse going a bit pop? Is Muse sort of... Kind of sort of losing that oh, just edge. That riff and that everything, I was like, that's just cool as fuck. And because I think I was getting into like your block party and your angular kind of indie at the time, it was kind of cool to see Muse kind of leading that in a way. Yeah, that song grew for me because when at that point, what 2006, I was in peak like uh funeral for a friend, you know, emo music sort of style. I cared about my riffs and my rock. So I was like, oh, is my favorite band going a little bit pop? I'm not really sure about this. And then the rest of the album wasn't like that, so I was happy. Oh yeah, and then, cool. and then and then over the, when I basically got over myself, I then <laughs> I, well, it's now actually I think it's the song, I think it's actually the song from Black Holes that was the highest on my top ten so far. Maybe mm. oh no, Remember, take, take a bow. Sorry, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, that song hit the radio, and I was like, that's cool. And then I remember they debuted a bunch of songs at um, one big weekend, and Starlight I was just a bit like, oh, that's cute. And then Nights of Sidonia was your kind of laugh out loud like. Oh, okay. That's what I was saying before. The three mates looking at each other, being like, "Do you think we can get away with this?" Nice to say, it was the pinnacle of that, but there was still, it was still a journey. So it it, it was taking the piss, but with, with it still on the reins. But it was still a very controlled song. Nice to say, yeah. But while still, you know, taking that's the piss. That's true. Yeah, that is a good shout. That's not in here. 
it would have been a few years ago. Well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> if if one and two aren't plug in baby and hysteria, Andrew, I'm going to lose my shit, honestly. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. So, what's, what's number two? <laughs> number two is Citizen Arrays. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Adam's so, losing I mean, his shit. So I'm just losing my shit now. Now, which like... version? Which version, though? Oh, well, I mean, that's a tough question, isn't it? Uh, arguably, the, arguably the most changed song on the on the remaster. It's also the most improved song on the remaster. Well, if it's improved, then it's got to be better. better. Than... Yeah, okay, yeah, let's, 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 put, let's, let's put the new one in then. Yeah, go on. Let's put, banner in the works. It's Ooh. just, it's just a, again, it's a fucking work of art. I mean, could just imagine having written the simplicity of showbiz, you know. Three scrappy lads doing well, what they the can to leap, then... The leap from showbiz to Origin of Symmetry is, like, astronomical. And, yes, it was in a race, was just that song. Which this, it's People always called it their paranoid android, but I think that does it a disservice. It's a completely different beast. Yeah, 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 100%. Regardless, is, yeah. regardless of what, like, your favourite or, or the most popular or the most catchy song is off of that album, that is probably that album's sort of... that That song is kind of... If you were to pick a song off the album to go, this is what Origin of Symmetry is like. Yeah. Probably pick Citizen Arrays to be like, that's what this album's about. Well, yeah, it's got like eight different parts. And well, it like, encompasses the whole album. And also, yeah, the thing we, we talked about it on the episode, didn't we? It kind of bridges that gap from the sort of heavier first half to the weirder second half. It kind of yeah, smoothly yeah. transitions you there. Uh, I, I love Citizen Arrays. I don't think it was in my top 10, but it was certainly, it was close. It's a masterpiece. So, num- so number one, I'm guessing you've cheated and put Hysteria and Plug In Baby at number one. I'm sorry, I put Newborn. Oh, it, yeah. it I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. Yeah, it just is their best song. And again, this is what I said. It's a song that kind of got me into them. It's the, the drama of it, how it's somehow still a pop song that got to like number... It charted really well, didn't it, that song? Yeah, but it's over six minutes long, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely yeah. insane. The video, the, the mood it used to create live... I remember the, when when they did the was it the second law tour or the resistance tour or something when they did that ridiculous roulette thing where Matt had to choose between Stockholm syndrome and newborn. I was like, well, you're obviously going to choose newborn. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would anyone choose Stockholm syndrome over newborn? Yeah, it's just no, every, every it's yeah. just everything that's great about Muse in one song. Even if some clunky, ridiculous lyrics about stretching it like a bird squeeze. Yeah, <laughs> I argue, but I probably wouldn't be sat here. This was the song that got me obsessed with music. So I probably wouldn't be sat here if it wasn't for this song. Wow. That's cool. a, a ringing endorsement of that song, yeah. if there ever was one. <laughs> I learned Orig- original or remix, though. Oh, yeah, go on. Uh, the thing is, uh, I don't know. I would... So when I chose Citizen Race, because obviously that came out a, about a month or two ago, and I've rinsed it since, I would need to revisit the new one a bit more. Or I'm going to say the original for now, just for all the, okay. sentiment, for all the sentimental reasons I mentioned yeah. before. Well, maybe I'm a pleb, but with Newborn, I really can't tell the difference between the two. The snare is very loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like St. That's, Anger. that's the main it's like difference. It's St. Yeah. just... Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is the main difference in the remix. Yeah, it's one of the ones that's like been the least touched i think wait is that, that maybe is... because it's one of the songs that got the most effort put into it at the time because they knew it was going to be a big single whereas maybe a dark shines they put a bit less time and thought oh yeah yeah dark shines oh, is, yeah. dark shines <laughs> dark face. shines is the only song on the album that could have gone on showbiz oh interesting Ooh. oh that's not yeah 
Yeah, it's got that like uh, yeah. that sort of Latin sort of feel that they kind of did with uh, whatever that song off of Showbiz is called. Adam was kind of dancing when he said Latin. <laughs> it was really you good. can't yeah. not do the He's like Uno. Adam's comparing it to Uno, right? Uno. But yes, then, like, that's right. Yeah, but then if you swap, if you took off Dark Shines and Feeling Good and put on there, oof, I don't know. Futurism. Map, futurism and hypochondriac music. Different, different beast entirely. But I mean, Dark Shines definitely has a place on Orange History, but I think Dark Shines still has a bit of a showbiz hangover feeling to it. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I, uh, th- I is... think it was also a song they had like in the bank, I think, at that point as well. They were playing it live. Uh, yeah, I think you might actually be right. I think it might have been a pre Origin Symmetry sort of, it existed sort of song. Yeah. That is a cool top 10, which we're going to put into a Spotify playlist and people can listen to it after they've heard uh, this this episode. Um, it would be, uh, we've talked about them a little bit uh, uh, in this episode. It would be remiss of me to not mention that you're also quite a big Manix fan. A very um, hardcore, die-in-the-wall Manix fan, yeah. The, the, fir- the first time I ever came across you was your interview with uh, James and Nikki at whatever... Uh, event it was I can't remember now um, but I, I know nothing about your Manix opinions or your relationship to their music really other than the Holy Bible being the greatest album of all time which I found out about 20 minutes ago um, it, is. it just is so <laughs> I, I, I also asked you to do a Manix top 10 and I think let's just jump straight into the top 10 and we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about them from there you happy okay, to do great. that? yeah for sure for sure for sure cool let's start at 10 Number 10, I've actually put Send Away the Tigers. All right, bye, Andrew. (laughs) Only because, so I think we probably agree that that album is a bit paper thin. Yes. I love it. Steve is in absolute tatters. I love it. it. That's a great song. And it really reminds me of that summer and the optimism of Manix coming back with some vim and some vigor and everything. You you just knew everything was going to be okay. Yes, I have such nostalgic memories about like that album release. It was the first one I was a fan for, and um, the the tour of of Send Away the Tigers. And I was in college, and I just learned to drive, and that album was always on in my car. Yeah, I have very fond memories of of that album and that song because I think that song opens the album What's... so well. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's the best song from the album, and. You know, a lot of the, most of most of the album hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Despite yeah, it being like their their comeback album, and I remember because I got I was I got I remember like I was on hol- holiday in Holland, and out of curiosity, I got like forever delayed. And you obviously everyone's like got bits of the Manics embedded in them from growing up in the nineties. And then I remember there was this um documentary around on Channel Four called the Homecoming documentary where they went back to Cardiff, and it told me the story. And I was like, wow, what a fascinating story. Yeah. And then I properly th- got into them, unfortunately, when Lifeblood came out. And as a result of well, getting, like, the Holy Bible, I got, the, I got Know Your Enemy, and what the fuck is this? And then I got the Holy Bible, and I thought, this is, like, nothing I've ever heard before. What are they talking about? And then from the Holy Bible, went got into the politics and the, the literature, and I was, just became a cliched Mannix fan. Nice. And, like, <laughs> you know, army jackets and... Kafka books and, oh, you know, yes. <laughs> that lovely, lovely so then by that I was fully indoctrinated by the time that Lifeblood came out and you know what it was like back in those days you'd buy a CD and you, because you spent 12 quid on it you forced yourself to love it 
Sure, yeah, yeah. Although we are big Lifeblood fans on this podcast. Well, yeah, me too. I actually asked Nicky once if I could write the liner notes if he just releases a, an anniversary version, and he laughed and said, "Okay." But I don't think he meant it. I don't. I don't think they'll. Ever I don't do think that. they'll <laughs> ever release the anniversary uh, edition of Lifeblood. Then it doesn't look of... like they're going to do Know Your Enemy anyway. So sorry, liar. He lied to me. But anyway, so um, but the point being is that off the back of the. Lifeblood tour. The Lifeblood tour was amazing. It kind of deepened my love for them. And then they did the whole anniversary of uh, Holy Bubble for the first time, probably not the last. Um, and then there was a guy that genuinely felt like the Manics might split up. I mean, they, it's been said a lot, but it genuinely felt like they'd, they'd, they'd lose them. Um, yeah. And they would go down, you know, they'd, they'd sort of disappear in obscurity and shame. And then Send Away the Tigers came out. I was like, oh, yes, this is what we need. It was, it, it was a necessary album. <laughs> but then it kind of, I think that my reaction to that album at the time versus my thoughts on the album now uh, kind of speaks to our conversation about should a band ever sort of go back to their roots? You know, it, it was the Manics having experimented with Know Your Enemy and Lifeblood going back to the kind of soaring rock that they were kind of known for. Mm. And I think that at the time that gave me a real jolt of excitement, but ultimately it was sort of not, it didn't last very long. I don't think, I think looking back on that album now, you can see its weaknesses and. Yeah. Well, I think it was, instead it was a necessary album that brought them back and, you know, the title track, Your Love Alone is a great, great Manix moment. That's oh yeah. About. Cool. Um, underdogs can fuck off. Yeah, no, no need for that. Piece yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Autumn song is an absolute abomination. Yes, uh, yes, thank you very much. Nah, 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 yeah. If there's one thing off the album that has, that has <laughs> aged gracefully, it's not only Autumn song, but it's the music video for Autumn song. No, yeah. no, dread, dreadful. I'm the same person because it's, it's like. <laughs> The Manics are the band that made me care about things and be interested in things and have a conscience and, you know, wanted to know the truth behind it. And then they're writing a song about someone's fucking changing their hair. Yes. And that's all that song says is, baby, what have you done to your hair? <laughs> and I know they're just trying to do like a funny Guns N' Roses piss take. But, you know, to, to keep that on the B side, mate. Now, that's, that's, yes, that's, exactly. that's yourself. That's an interesting dichotomy there, isn't there? The the with Muse, what we're talking about is you're kind of like, I get it. I get that you're doing a bit of a queen. I get that you're yeah. doing a bit of a something. And it's kind of accepted and fun and, and enjoyable. Whereas you have manics are kind of you have you, you you expect more of them, I guess. And so you're yeah. like, no, 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 don't 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 do that. That's come on, you're better than that. All when, music when... serves a purpose. As I said, Muse they're they're kind of out there or they're pure entertainment or they, you know, the 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 Cool, the, the, that kind of awesomely progressive thing that we had in the early days. Mannix, I would say that Mannix mattered to be more than any other band. And therefore, when I get like an autumn song, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you very much. So number nine is autumn song. Is that right? No, number nine <laughs> is right. a different kind of thing. Number nine is stay beautiful. Um, cool. So like, I'm, I'm, I'll admit I'm into the kind of, a lot more kind of, of the darker, weirder manics. But Stay Beautiful is just the Manics Manifesto, pure punch in the face, really good fun live, best song off the first album. Apart from ooh. there's motorcycle emptiness, but motorcycle yeah, emptiness, I'm gonna I'm say I'm, I'm gonna say right now that motorcycle emptiness isn't in my top ten. 
purely because it's kind of like saying I like drinking water. <sighs> yeah. Yes, right. Okay, yes. <laughs> that's that's why a design for life isn't in in my top ten because it's it's a, it's a point zero. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just a, an omnipresent uh, sort of sort of song. Yeah, yeah. So I say I like water and Christmas and the Simpsons and my mum. You know, I don't need to say and, that. And, and, that's, <laughs> and that's obviously why Hysteria wasn't on Andrew's top ten of news because obviously that's number zero. Yes, of course. <laughs> Plugging baby. Yes, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Obviously. Exactly. Stay beautiful is cool. In in retrospect, it seems a little lightweight, but um, you're right. It is like the Manics Manifesto. It sums up everything that that band was about in 1992, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it just sure. pumps. It does pump. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. It does pump. Yeah. Number we have number eight. Yeah. Number eight. I've got 1985 for all of those lovely lifeblood reasons I mentioned. Oh, yeah. So yes. James always James always said that um, there were only two versions of the Manix. The everything must go and Generation Terrorists guitar summer anthemic version and the dark holy bible version and they said on lifeblood they tried to find a third version and failed and i disagree entirely i think this 1985 is a really serene beautiful kind of laid-back manix a kind of glacial version that yeah. i, oh, I wish they would explore more glacial really does is, describe that i remember excellent. the album came out in the winter and they did the winter tour and i was a stereotypical manix fan where i would stand outside in the queue for five hours <laughs> and I remember all I remember. Most of my memories are tied to being freezing cold, sat on a pavement somewhere. And 1985 just feels cold. Yeah, sonically, not lyrically. Lyrically, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? It's got that kind of glacial, lovely feeling to it. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Uh, I think we all we all love that song. Uh, I think it was in my top ten of Manix, wasn't it? I think probably. Yeah, half I my top mo- ten was half my top ten was the first half of Lifeblood, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But see, is that, that's another thing. I don't know. I, I don't know if I've revisited life, but a lot. But like Cardiff Afterlife, great. Love, I, lo- I loved the Love of Richard Nixon when it came out. But Love probably, of Richard Nixon is fantastic. Empty Souls, Song for Departure, fucking wow, great song. Yeah, yeah. I Live to Fall Asleep is, is that's true. in mine and Lucas's top so, ten. I Live to Fall Asleep Manic song. for the exact same reasons of Lifeblood being great. And it's like, it was Lifeblood's the most personal Manic's album. As well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wrote, um, I've written a chapter, chapter of a Manix book on Lifeblood that's coming out later in the year. Um, oh, is that for Mark? Yes, it is. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, a friend yeah. of mine. Tell him I said hello. <laughs> um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. Uh, he, um, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, yeah, and and g- going back and revisiting the album, even after we'd done it on the podcast, there was still so much to sort of like unpack. Yeah. And it is, it is such a personal album and finds them at like a real sort of um, a crossroads. Like like you said, they were trying to find a third version or they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Um, and actually, I do think it's a bit of a shame that um, they got so scared by the reaction of Lifeblood that it gave us like basically a decade of them just looking back. And it took until sort of Rewind the Film, Futurology for them to kind of start looking forward again yeah i think there's quite a lot of confusion around lifeblood like prince i never got why they were wearing burton's leather jackets and mickey was wearing burberry hats but then you would go yeah. on the, you'd go on tour and they were all in black and military gear again like what what, what are you doing 
it was almost an anti-image sort of thing, wasn't it? It, it was almost like the, the everything must go thing, the, the complete lack of image, you know. Yeah, but it was the first time that saw a fight with the Manics and went, ah, because the Manics thing is always like you wanted to be in their gang. That was the first time I was like, I don't want to be in this gang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Apart yeah, from yeah. when they went on tour. It looked Nikki like a had... photo of some dads. But that, that tour, <laughs> it was. that tour was amazing when they had the, all the white, yes. the white amps, um, some Holy Bible songs stuck in the set. James was playing a white flying V. Yeah. And that was the first time they had the first yeah. time they had the fourth guitarist as well. No, sorry, not the fourth guitarist, you know what I mean? The the second guitarist for the first time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they had they got rid of all the horrible keyboard sounds on the masses against the classes and all that shite. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? The, the early, yeah, like when they, an entire <laughs> person's work just dismissed there in one sentence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, number seven. Marlon JD. Oh, Lucas, do you even remember that song? Uh, would we, well, we did it on the B-Sides episode, I'm guessing, and it's one that I don't remember. No, it's from Journal for Plague Lovers. It's one of the standout oh, tracks. Don't remember anything about it. Don't know. Yeah, don't know. Don't know what you're talking about. I can name one song of Journal for Plague Lovers, and it's Peeled Apples, and it's because it's the Great. first one. <laughs> <laughs> Although Marlon Jade is just spiky, motoric. I think it was kind of a, a lot of the influences on that probably led them onto Futurology, the kind of kraut rock yeah. drums and everything. It's just the song that as I said they. They didn't write the Holy Bible part two, but they captured some of the kind of spite and energy and vigor. And I just, I think Marlon JD is probably the standout track from Jennifer Flagler. And Jennifer Flagler was maybe their third or fourth best album. I think so. Yeah. I, you, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, very good. Steve, it's up there for you, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. It was, it was a, a real. Surprise! It comes after "Send Away the Tigers," right? Is that right? Is that yeah. a cat? It is a cat. <laughs> he's, uh, he's completely like he's black against my black hoodie, so occasionally just seeing a random tail flicker. Yeah, look like you're growing yeah. a tail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, uh, it, it's between "Send Away the Tigers" and postcards from a young man, which is yeah. bizarre so when you the think way about we it now. sort of listened to them in order and then re- reviewed them, if you want to call it reviewing. Um, yeah, it was like such a a kick in the face. Uh, and yeah but in a good way was, in a in yeah. a very good way <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just like a wake-up call after me going oh i remember send away the tigers oh what a lovely oh my <laughs> god oh yeah they can do this yeah but that was it so when like after send away the tigers reinvigorated them jennifer plagas came as like oh and we, by the way we can be really interesting and really compelling i remember and... being slightly worried and uh, around the time and thinking like can they still do this or is this going to be a a bit of a flop creatively you know i think it's a masterpiece but i just wish they'd play it more songs from that live they seem to have retired it a bit yeah i think that was probably always the intention and that's why they played it like you know that those those jennifer played the, the tour thing. they played it as a mm-hmm. whole thing didn't they yeah so yeah i think you occasionally get jackie collins now and that's about yeah. it yeah which is a shame uh yeah number six Found that soul, cool song, banger. <laughs> yeah, Iggy in the Stooges vibes and life. Uh, no, no, your enemy is a great album. It's, it is. That's 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 in my that, that that's one of my high, highest rated Manics albums. I think it's my fourth favorite. It's better it's than bananas. 
Well, the thing is, it's a great album hidden inside a mess of an album. And it's interesting. Yeah, it came out the same like Hail to the Thief by Radiohead. Yeah. Trim, trim some of the fat and you've got a, an all-time classic. Don't um, trim any of the fat from Know Your Enemy. Add more. Add, make me fatter. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a fatter album. <laughs> I, I, love, I love that... all the B-sides from that era as well. Like, oh, yeah. there was Little Trolls, that album? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like Pedestal and Locust Valley and stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, lo- I love that era of the Manics. Yeah. Where they seem to be willfully just sort of like daring people to uh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine launching your album in Cuba. Absolute madman. Sanity. But yeah, Found That Soul is one of the all-time great Manic songs and they should play it live more again. Open with that. Well, they're, they're, you know, they're so in greatest hits mode now and they have so many songs where it would be weird if they left it off to a casual fan i suppose i don't yeah. need to hear you stole the song from my heart ever again so but that... i can imagine there's a whole sect of the crowd that would be disappointed if they didn't hear it you know so I mean? does that mean mm. now they basically play you stole the song from my heart like tolerate yeah and then they just play lifeblood because they're just playing the greatest hits yeah they play all yeah. of lifeblood <laughs> in the middle yeah <laughs> and then europa get is the last track and then they get off the stage and then and yes, and then the encore is dreaming a city three times. Yep. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Greatest hits. Um, good. <laughs> number five. No surface or feeling. Oh, oh yeah. A manic right, a smashing pumpkin song, better than the smashing pumpkins ever could. Yeah. Oh. It's just so good. Next. It's just that <laughs> that riff is just so crisp. It's just it's a perfect song. Yeah, yeah, my, I think my hairs really are standing up on my ends. Uh, on my ends, my hairs are standing up on end right now, thinking about that song. And there's yeah, this that... really good story where the Manics played Shepherd's Bush on that tour, and like Liam Gallagher was side of stage, absolutely off his face. He just kept going up to James and went, "James, you, you play that one that goes." <laughs> <laughs> and it's just um, the, the drums on that song sound incredible. The lyrics is it? Is that a, it's a Nicky lyric, right? That one, surely. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, Nikki's finest lyrics. Wow. It just sounds like the sunshine on an autumn day. Yeah. Oh, it does. It's really speaking Steve's language. There's there's something (laughs) so like, it's what the Manics do best. I think there's something so epic, but so melancholic about it. Yeah. I mean, like it's similar to that and like Enola alone are two sides of the same coin, but no surface or feeling just pips it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Number four. Europa get Dirk Mick. Yeah. <laughs> that song gets an unnecessary amount of hate. From who? Who hates it? I don't know anyone who hates Twats. it. Who hates it? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong people. <laughs> uh, I'm mainly thinking about one of my best friends, actually, who... Uh, is wrong and a twat? Yeah, is <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. His whole thesis for why the Manic Street Preachers are bad is just Europa get Dershmish, which means he doesn't have a, a leg to stand on because that song or is any fantastic. Is this, <laughs> is this the friend who was originally going to be on the Manic's podcast as a host? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That, that, that is his thesis is that this is such a bad song that it no, sums up that he, that, he, that he would never <laughs> like Manic's because of it. Yeah, exactly. It's outstanding. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. All the music I love. I'm a big fan of post-punk, like Germanic kraut rock. 
everything. I'm a weird sort of Germanophile. I used to live in, <laughs> used to live in Europe, and I'm a Europhile, and they just captured everything I love in one. So it's something I never thought the Manics would do. Because I remember he was saying all these things they were going to do, and it's just like it would be. Um, he was talking about all these old influences and lots of stuff they'd like to do. I was like, you should make like an album of really motoric beats and post rock riffs and cool shit. And this is that song. Yeah. Um, it's just cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah, artists, artists say that, don't they? They'll say like, oh, on this album we're doing this, and it's always a little bit like, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, means there's a smattering of it, but really it's not. But in that case, it really is like a Krautrock album, and it's so this is it fucking so, amazing. But it's like postcards from a young man, which is kind of a manix panto, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, I really. I mean, I, I get why people love it, but it's just it's just too overblown for me. Apart from the title track of Postcards from a Young Man, which is one of their best songs. I really, I can't get on with that record. I, I like parts where it's, oh, they're just going to remake different versions of Send Away the Tigers and Postcards from a Young Man over and over again. And then rewriting the film, there was some really nice moments on it. I I'm a, don't think Sean Moore should play the trumpet on a Manix album ever again. Um, I just, well, because, he, because he got to it, it's, its logical conclusion was Show Me the Wonder. I hate Show Me the Wonder. I hate oh, that song. Oh, <laughs> Come on. No, the thing is, like, on that, that, that last Manix tour the other year, it was one of the, one of the best received tours I've ever done. But I remember that they, were getting loads, they were getting panned for paying Show Me the Wonder. It's the second to last song because it just killed the flow and killed the vibe. And they stopped playing. And the songs, the, the show was immediately improved when they stopped playing Show Me the Wonder. And I think they think that Manix fans want to hear Show Me the Wonder, and they don't. I, the, the Manics have no idea what Manics fans want to hear. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we we want to hear like, um, to be honest, I'd quite like to hear a lot of the new album when they go out and tour it again. But oh I have, yeah, I have a feeling we're going to we're going to get three songs. They'll be the singles, and the rest will be their hits. You know. Oh, I've got the new album in my inbox, but I've not had a chance to listen to it yet. I'll forward oh. you my email address. <laughs> also, uh, edit that out so that you don't get uh, <laughs> told off oh, yeah. for being the leaker. Um, yeah, but yeah, okay, Europa cool. Gate Dermic is that third version of the Manix that James was talking about found successfully. And there may be a fourth version of the Manix if Lifeblood was the third. But yeah, fucking awesome song. Do that again, Manix, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd that, that, I think that was the. That was the What Is Music highest rated Manix album, right? When you took our collective scores, I think. Futurology, yes. That is our collective favourite Manix album. I think Futurology and Lifeblood were like the top two by a fair old whack. Yeah, I'm getting Futurology vibes from everything they've said about the new album as well. I was about to say, especially like the artwork especially made me think. And then they did that weird kind of um, video that came out. And then we heard Aurelian and I'm thinking, oh no, please. Well, I don't dislike Aurelian, but like. I'm saying it wrong, aren't I? I'm saying it Orwellian. 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 George Orwell. <laughs> <laughs> it's because Lucas thought it was Orville. It's, it's completely Orwellian. Um, the artwork is very futurology looking. and Yeah, I get the sense that they've tried to... Because futurology is good at creating space. Yeah. 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 And I think they may be doing that again. I hope so, anyway. I yeah, hope I so. that the album sounds more like it looks than Orwellian does. Like the music video they've just released for Orwellian doesn't fit the song at all for me, really. And the sort of the creepy vibes of the teaser trailer. I, I got really excited and then was slightly let down by how tradition or, or, or Orwellian is. Mm. Yeah. 
I'd like yeah. to just see them do something mental. I don't think it would it, it'll ever happen. I think they're nicely in their little melancholic pop with bits of experimentation bubble now. But yeah. You say that, but the album before Resistance is Futile was Futurology. So it's not like that was that long ago That's that they true. were in that mode. That's yeah. not like half a career That's ago. That's like yeah. the second most recent thing they've done. <laughs> Interesting band. Interesting band. Uh, n- we should talk three. about them someday. <laughs> number three i will ride for this song there by the grace of god oh beautiful song i think they hate it because it's so kind of aching well i use the word aching they probably call it boring but <laughs> i, I l- love this song it means a lot to me it's oh it's just beautiful that's like an A-side, right it's not off an album is it it, it was, was a off single off the greatest hits. And then, because it was a single on the first greatest hits, it went on the second greatest hits as well. So it's been on... Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It was, on, it was on the singles collection. Yeah. Yeah, weird. But yeah, no, it's just... It's, it, well, it's, I've put it at number three, so it is one of the best Manic songs. You, you know, they do occasionally wheel that out live these days. Yeah, not enough. But yeah, and never when I've been either. <laughs> It's got this kind of, it's obviously a precursor to Lifeblood. I, I love it for all the same reasons I love Lifeblood. But there's something quite... same, same producer as Lifeblood, even. It's great yeah. yeah. And it's got kind of an almost kind of cure-like gothic essence to it when I listen to it as well. Yeah. The lyrics are beautiful. It sums up everywhere they've been. Really good way of saying, right, we're fucked, but we'll carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit music video, though. Yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> just, yeah. Apart from that, James looks really good in that music video. James looks good in every music video, Andrew. Yes, Have you seen the Love Sweet Exile music video? That's true. <laughs> he looks excellent in that music video. Uh, number two. <laughs> number two is Yes. Oh, I mean, I was wondering when the Holy Bible would uh, would crop up. Yeah. Well, I tried uh, to... I mean, again, I could have just listed 10 songs of Holy Bible. But, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yes is the song that um, really like ignited my Manic Street Preachers obsession. I bought the the anniversary edition of the Holy Bible, um, played, and I had to play that song three times in a row in my dad's car to really like because <laughs> I could not comprehend what was happening. I'd never heard anything like it before. I was like fourteen, fifteen, I think. Same, yeah. I mean, I remember I went to my. <laughs> record shop in town from a town called Lincoln and it was ever been to Lincolnshire um, and I'd sort of heard the folklore around the album without really knowing anything about it and then so I bought it was fascinated by the artwork it, as it didn't look like any other album on the shelf mm. um, the band I saw on the back didn't look like the man the you know the chubby V festival manics everyone knew at the time <laughs> <laughs> and then put that on it you know, I was at an age where I hadn't heard Joy Division or any of those kind of late seventies post punk bands, so it just blew the top of my head off completely. Yeah, same. Lyric, the the way the way he delivers his lyrics is insane. And I remember in the tenth anniversary version, they had a quote where they referred to the Holy Bible as a triumph of art over logic, and that's what this song is. It shouldn't work. The, it shouldn't flow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it should be, you know, it's a, it's a deeply upsetting song, but it's, mm. it's a masterpiece. 
Yeah, deeply upsetting is a good way to describe that whole album, actually. <laughs> yeah. I love this album. It's deeply upsetting. <laughs> it's just so nice. So, so again, again, it's just what, that going back to that thing of being a triumph of art over logic, you shouldn't want to listen to it over and over again. It shouldn't make you feel good. <laughs> and yet. And yet here we are. <laughs> yeah. And yet it's the best album of all time for those reasons, for that quote, which I wish I'd written. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> which means that number one is... Obviously Faster. Yeah, I thought it yeah. might be. Yeah, I mean, what uh, more can you say? It's just again that, that, was, that was my number one for a long, 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 long time until we did the podcast and it got usurped down to number two. Unfortunately, sorry, faster. But it is okay, always the Manic song, right? Yeah, in the same way that "Stay Beautiful" was their manifesto in 1990, this was their manifesto in 1994. Fuck you! I'm better than you. I can read. I'll do what I want. I, you know, I'm not yeah. going to be this. Which it was is the weird said, brag, isn't it? I could. Well, no, wait. no. It was the. <laughs> it was the. It was the anti-Britpop song. Everyone was being quite oikish and ridiculous, and they were just like being like, "No, you can be working class and give a shit. You don't have to be a working class stereotype and just go piss piss up the wall and fight each other and act, act up to you know what people expect you to be. You know, stand out, give a shit, read something, and that's this. That's the reason I love the Manics, and that's why they matter more than any other band. Oh. That is just a perfect way to <laughs> sum up. Like, we don't need to talk about, any more about Manitary Preachers because that completely sums up how, um, you know, what, what, what the band are and how they fit in the musical landscape, I think, and also echoes how I feel about them. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. We're going to put that up as a, uh, as, a, as, a, as a Spotify playlist as yeah, well. Yeah, cool. Um, cool. Andrew, thank you so much for, for joining us. We've talked for like Thanks, two man. hours, which is... Oh, yeah, good. I, Enjoy editing that. <laughs> yeah i don't think i i'm not even going to i'm just just gonna put it out like it is um yeah thank you uh so much for uh joining us no thanks for um, having me enjoy it good, I'm glad. I'm glad. The, first, the first guest who's ever enjoyed being on the podcast as well so that's that's great <laughs> um uh i i have to do all the uh the boring sort of uh stuff now like saying thank you for listening to the listeners and telling them that they should find us on social media at what is music pod on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, and I think that we're on, we're on TikTok. We just went viral on TikTok. That's something, yeah. isn't it? We're uh, <laughs> at what is music on there. If you want to send us in something a little bit longer, you maybe have us read it out on the show. You can email us uh, what is music pod at gmail.com. And we also have a couple of ways that you could support us other than listening. If you'd like to, one is to buy our merchandise. If you go to what is music you can find some uh, designs that you can print onto uh, anything you like. Um, if you don't fancy our merchandise, you can go fuck yourself. But you could also <laughs> donate some money to our coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. Uh, all donations very gratefully received and go towards our running cost. That about does it. Thank you again, Andrew, for joining us. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed for Thanks, Andrew. listening. <laughs> and we will leave you with just one piece of advice, which is also, always uh, don't waste your time or time will waste you. Oh. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>